You're listening to the Ultimate Outcome Sermon Podcast. Our goal is to help Christians understand and apply God's Word more fully. Here's Richard with today's sermon. Good morning. You know, one of the ways I think uh, we can characterize ourselves as uh, being problem-solving machines. Uh, have you ever thought about yourself that way and uh, the actions of each day as being uh, just going from one problem to the next? And if you think about it, really, every one of our actions has as its uh, intent to solve some problem. Uh, we get hungry and so we eat. We get tired and so we sleep. We um, need money, so we go to work. Uh, we need um, to be somewhere else, so we travel in our vehicles or walking or on our bicycles to get to where we want to go. Uh, we, we're out of gas, so we fill her up. Uh, every action is directly or indirectly in some way trying to attempt to solve a problem or problems. What does it tell us about ourselves then when what we do makes things worse? Uh, no one ever intends to solve a problem with the intent of making their situation worse, but oftentimes our situation gets worse. Sometimes if we're trying to solve a plumbing problem, and it turns into a flooding problem, we uh, attempted the wrong solution to the solving of that problem. What does it say uh, when our problems seem to get worse? Well, doesn't it tell us that we need a different or better solution to whatever problem in life that we're approaching? Where do we go to search for the good solutions? Where can good solutions be found? Where can we find uh, a place where we can trust uh, advice? Are we humble enough to recognize that our solutions aren't working when they're not working? Or do we keep trying to do the same thing over and over again with the same um, ill results? There's a common phrase, you've all heard it, you know, a better mousetrap. You've all heard that phrase, a better mousetrap. It comes from a quote from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. And he said, his famous quote was, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. Now that quote illustrates the value of better solutions, the value of solutions that are superior in solving life's problems. Where should we look for the best solutions to life's complicated problems? Today, as we continue our series in 1 and 2 Samuel, entitled God's Rightful Place in the Governance of Man, we're going to be looking at a time when Israel was addressing a very real problem, a very legitimate problem, but they were addressing that problem uh, with a wrong solution, with wrong solution. What, what happens when our solutions become our problem? What happens when we're addressing a real problem and the solution that we apply creates more of a problem that create, and it be, in itself becomes a problem? You know, you have illustrations of that all around us in human behavior. A person doesn't take drugs to mess up their life. They take drugs to solve a problem. Uh, yet, in the taking of drugs, the, the addiction of becoming a drug addict is a greater problem than whatever problem they attempted to solve through the um, self-medication to begin with. Or, you know, typical sins, a person lies. Why does a person lie? They lie because they have a problem. They want to protect their honor or they want to promote uh, a higher honor of themselves by hiding re a certain reality. So they lie. Well, what actually happens when you get into a pattern of lying? Is your honor actually protected 
or is it diminished? Uh, it, you create a greater problem in trying to solve a problem. What happens when our solutions become our problems? And uh, our problems become double because we have the wrong solutions to trying to solve life's problems. Um, where do we go? Where can we go to find reliable solutions that really work? Well, this morning's lesson is going to address that question. And this morning, uh, the message is entitled, Give Us a King. And we'll be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. So uh, pray with me this morning as we look at God's Word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning. And Father, uh, Lord, there is, there is, every one of our problems is a legitimate problem. The, the, the issue isn't with whether or not we have problems. The issue is, are our solutions correct? Are our solutions actually going to solve our problems? And we pray this morning, Father, that we would see what Israel didn't see when she was demanding a king, that her solution to her legitimate problem was just going to create a greater problem. We pray, Father, that we would turn to you and become more reliant on you this week for your guidance and for the truth that every problem finds its solution in you and in your wisdom. Lord, we thank you for your counsel, and we pray, Father, that today we would become more and more trusting in your will and in your way. You're only good, and you only want us to lead us in righteousness. Bless the reading of your word this morning, and may we be lifted by it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 8, beginning at verse 1, says this, When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges for Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, accepted bribes, and perverted justice. So the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, but when they said Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the time, from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until the day, uh, until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing, and so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. So here we are, uh, we've um, come out of this towards the end of this period where God has established Samuel as a mediator over the years, and Samuel has done a good job at mediating, and Israel's done a good job at listening to what God has to say to them to guide them. And as a consequence, they've lived in a time of uh, security and a time of prosperity and a time of peace under God's leadership through Samuel. Their problem became the fact that Samuel had grown old, and in his old age, he was no longer able to function adequately. And uh, Samuel had this problem of 
not being able to serve all of the cases of Israel, executing justice. So Samuel uh, decided to solve his problem, and not by turning to God. There's no evidence that Samuel had any inkling from God that he should appoint his sons, and there was nothing about the pattern of the judges that would have uh, the hierarchy be passed on through the generations. So Samuel solves his problem his way and appoints these two sons who uh, are not qualified to judge Israel. And this uh, appointing of these two corrupt sons creates a problem for Israel. Now they're for the first time in decades experiencing injustice through uh, Samuel's sons taking bribes and not executing true judgment. Uh, Their problem was real. They had a real problem. Israel had a real problem. It was a legitimate complaint. You know, we need to solve this problem. But their solution wasn't the right solution. How could Israel continue to be led in the years ahead if her leaders were Samuel's two corrupt sons? How could Israel receive either justice or revelation from God if Samuel's sons uh, weren't interested in mediating God's will, but only interested in Uh, receiving uh, their own uh, benefit from their positions where they were only interested in feeding their own greed. How was it that this situation came to be? Well, it came to be because people were trying to solve problems with their own solutions and not with God's solution. Samuel was trying to solve his problem and Israel in, in doing so created a bigger problem and Israel in trying to solve the bigger problem came up with her own solution Uh, which was not God's solution at that time. And uh, they wanted to be like the nations that surrounded them. They thought if we, here's the ticket, we'd be like everybody else around us and everything will be fine. Isn't that something that kind of never quite works out? Let, Let us do it the way everyone else does it and everything will work out. Let us have a king like the surrounding nations. Well, the theme of this message this morning is this. We should bring our problems to God without dictating solutions. God wants to hear our problems. He wants to solve our problems. But here Israel brought their problems to Samuel and in so doing brings their problems to God. But they're not satisfied, look, to God giving the solution. They brought both the problem and the solution. Now let's take a look at verses one through five. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges for Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Uh, Now Samuel had a problem. He solved his problem his way. He didn't seek God's guidance. He just did what he wanted. And that, promoted, that was promoting his sons to a position that was illegitimate, which led to Israel's problem, which was a lack of uh, godly guidance and injustice, uh, to which they wanted to solve that problem their way also uh, by uh, having leadership akin to the same kind of leadership that was in them around the surrounding nations. Israel was not open to any other solution but this one solution that uh, they had in mind. They were sure that if they had a king like the other nations, their solution of the injustice they are experiencing under uh, Samuel's son would set the course right. What does it show about men? When our mindset is, uh, we can decide for ourselves, we don't need God's guidance, we can decide for ourselves 
what the solutions to our problems, our life's problems are, because we have the capacity to figure it all out all by ourselves. What is it like for God to be watching humanity constantly applying wrong solutions to real problems? Imagine what it'd be like to, for God. If they would listen to me, I would tell them. If they would seek me for guidance, which is my job and my position, I would give it. But what, what would it be like? It'd be like a parent who watched his child do one stupid thing after another, always trying to solve a problem, but would never come to the parent for superior counsel or guidance. God is um, watching us with real problems. We all have real problems. And he's watching us as we either go to him for real solutions or once uh, time and time again apply uh, illegitimate problems, uh, solutions to and create bigger problems. The expression, the cure is worse than disease, was recently applied even in our own uh, uh, energy debate. Uh, in the uh, attempt to go to alternative fuels recently this, this summer, uh, we've made a big push to, uh, un unlike Brazil, who does this with sugars, uh, go to um, ethanol with corn. And the, pro the cure became worse than the, uh, the, the, the disease when all of a sudden corn prices went up all around the world and we have people that are going hungry because we're trying to produce ethanol out of corn. We didn't really envision that. The solution in this case uh, became greater than the problem, and it turned out that the energy ratio of producing ethanol with corn was not a good trade-off, or it appears not to be at this point. Uh, not that there aren't other uh, biofuels that would work, but it's the concept that, you know, you come up with a solution. The solution is not necessarily going to uh, alleviate the problem. It might create greater problems. The bottom line is, if we spend our lives as problem solvers, wouldn't the best thing to be as problem solvers is to find a source of the best possible solutions? Uh, when um, we cut God out of our decision-making process as a nation and as, an, as individuals and as families, we cut ourselves off from the source of wisdom. We cut ourselves off from the best possible source of problem-solving wisdom. When we cut ourselves off from uh, worshiping God and, and acknowledging God in the schools and in the institutions of uh, influence and in, 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 in our government, we cut ourselves off from the wisdom that, that our founding fathers recognized so, that we so dearly need in the guidance of our nation. We cut ourselves off from their solution. Our country has engaged in many social experiments over the past 50 years that have failed one after another. And each, was, uh, each of these uh, social experiences, uh, experiments have created greater problems uh, they hope to solve. I remember as a young man, I was enamored with, I think it was called the Herod Project. It was a sexual uh, liberation idea at a real liberal college. And, and the idea of it was that gripped our culture was we aren't happy enough as people. And if we could just you know, throw off the shackles of sexual constraint, we would become happier as a people. We would become liberated and we would really uh, prosper in, in our personhood and in our relationships. The problem was we weren't happy enough and the solution was sexual liberation. Throw off the sexual mores. And the idea was that we'd have better and more liberated relationships. Well, did it work? I mean, 
we do have a problem. We want to be happy, right? There's nothing wrong with wanting to, to have a happier, more content life. But did this solution work? Are, do we have better relationships today? Do we have uh, more satisfactory communion between husband and wives and between men and women? Are our sexual relations better off today than they were in the 50s? It didn't work. Just because we have a problem and apply a solution doesn't mean that solution is going to work. If the solution is in opposition to God's will, it's not going to work because God's will is good. God's solution are, is for the purpose of promoting good in anything, any way in which he would constrain us. He would constrain us to, to keep us from experiencing that which is not good. Again, the theme this morning is this. We should bring our problems to God without dictating solutions. Point number one is our solutions are sometimes worse than the problem. Let's take a look at verses 6 through 9 again. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and, not, and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. Do we think... Think about this for a second. Do we think when we leave God out of our decision-making process that that constitutes a rejection of him? I don't think Israel was thinking they were rejecting God when they were asking for a king. But from God's point of view, when they were saying, we want to follow a visible flesh and blood human leader, they were rejecting the idea of following the wisdom of God through a mediator chosen by God to lead them. Uh, they were rejecting God. And, and I think we need to challenge ourselves with this idea. When we think we can leave God out of the decision-making process and that we're smart enough to run our own lives, we are rejecting God's guidance. We're rejecting God's function, his position. His position is a position of a moral compass. His natural role in our lives include providing guidance. To refuse his guidance is to reject him. The Israelites at this moment in history had a problem. They saw the solution uh, as putting themselves under the guidance of a human being like the other nations around them. Uh, they wanted a visible king, a mortal man, who would inevitably exploit them instead of an invisible guidance from the one and true God. God has Samuel warn them ahead of time. And as you read, we won't read it this morning, but as you read the verses that precede this, Samuel gives a warning and he says, you want a king? I'll let you have a king, but I want you to know ahead of time before this decision is complete that there's going to be some bad side effects to your having a king. Those side effects will be that the king will turn your children into his slaves. He will uh, confiscate the very best of your fields. He will require uh, heavy taxation from you, and he will um, uh, oppress you. And when you look to relief from me, there will be no answer. The cure was worse than the disease. They went from one bad condition with Samuel's son, 
and they wanted to embrace something that would cause an even worse condition. And they did so even after they had been warned by Samuel that, uh, that their, pro- their solution was not going to ultimately solve the problem. It was going to make it worse. I have some pictures for you here. We'll lighten it up a little bit here at this moment. Uh, this is a picture here uh, that differ- definitely says the uh, cure is worse than the disease. Everything about a bald-headed, shaved Britney Spears with a can of Red Bull in one hand and a cigarette in another says, here's a girl trying to solve some problems. You know, really, she's a girl trying to solve some problems. And, I mean, the solutions aren't working. It's not happening. Her, Her life is in, like all of ours, her life is trying to solve one problem after another, and she is in the grips of a condition where she has given nothing but her own counsel, and um, she needs uh, guidance from above, like we all do. Sometimes, uh, on a lighter note, sometimes you can't quite figure out if a person's solution is better or worse than the problem to begin with. Here's a picture here uh, of a guy on his tractor, a three-wheeled tractor, and uh, he needed a little counterbalance to keep that third wheel from falling off. You got to ask yourself, <clears throat> is the solution and the condition of the solution better than the better than you know curing the problem? I don't know. I think that one's kind of a toss-up. Most everything we do <clears throat> is an attempt to solve a problem. All men and women have the same set of problems to work with. How we solve what. Uh, you know, how we solve the problems in our lives is what begins to separate our experience of life. Our life is is really the experience of how we go about solving problems. Godly solutions are godly because, the reason why godly solutions are godly is because they turn out good in the end. And ungodly or worldly solutions are not godly or ungodly because they turn out bad. God's advice to us is simply to lead us in a path of benefit. Sin, if you want to think about it in these terms, could be defined as to solve problems in ways that make problems worse. In Greek, the word sin is literally to miss the mark, to miss the mark as an archer's term, to miss the target. The word sin is to literally miss the mark. So think about it this way. Probably I'd advance that so you're not looking at that funny picture. Now think about it this way. Sin is choosing and acting out wrong solutions to life problems. All sin simply is is choosing wrong solutions to life's problems. And the reason why it's sin is because it ends up hurting us in the end. Uh, that's the very definition of sin, missing the mark, not solving the problem, ending up with a greater or worse problem. Uh, and so if you think about it that way, that, that sin is simply uh, applying wrong problems to life, wrong solutions to life's problem, then you realize that sin in itself becomes life's biggest problem. Sin itself is life's biggest problem, and the greatest solution to all of life's problem is the problem that solves sin, Christ crucified. Christ crucified is the solution to life's biggest problem, our sin, trying to solve problems the wrong way. For all the pain and all the deceit and all the betrayal and all the cruelty and all the guilt and all the immorality and all the inhumanity that is produced by people solving problems the wrong way, 
by sin, uh, we have a solution in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We have the great problem solver in Christ crucified. He brings relief to all of our errant applications of attempts to solve problems through dying in our place and becoming uh, atoning guilt sacrifice for us. He wipes our slate clean that we might humble ourselves and in faith start anew seeking God for his guidance without the weight of our own uh, failure following with us every step of the way. Faith in Jesus Christ is life's greatest solution to life's biggest problem. Again, uh, the theme this morning is we should bring our problems to God without dictating solutions. Point number one is our solutions are sometimes worse than the problem. And point number two is God allows us to taste the bitter fruit of our own desires. Look at verse 9. Now listen to them. So God isn't in favor of them having a king, but he says to Samuel, listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. God told Samuel to let them go ahead and pursue their desire to establish a king over Israel. And we'll see next week how Saul was appointed as that king. Uh, he tells them, before they make this final decision, warn them and let them know everything that's going to happen to them, but don't get in their way. Let their will be done. Uh, if they insist on going ahead and, and, uh, and, and, and pressing forth for a king, God is going to allow them to suffer the natural consequences of not heeding his warning. From the Garden of Eden in the New Testament, the beginning of the Bible, to the prodigal son in the New Testament, excuse me, in the beginning of the Bible of the Garden of Eden to the prodigal son in the New Testament, God has released men to be tutored by their own folly. There's a pattern throughout the Bible where God ultimately releases us to be tutored by our own folly if we insist on solving our problems our way and not his way. Israel's solution for the inadequacies of Samuel's son wasn't to ask God to provide a new mediator, a righteous mediator for them to continue experiencing his justice. It was for him to give them a king like the surrounding nations. They wanted a visible person. They wanted a tactile human being that they could see. And there does seem to be some advantage to be able to see the one that you're looking to for guidance. It's harder to get guidance from an invisible God. But it does not solve the problem to replace God with an infallible man who is selfish. Why would we want to replace God with a leader who's going to take from us and replace a leader who's done nothing but give to us in exchange? It was a poor solution, but God said, okay. If, if you need to learn from your failures, God allows us to learn from our failures. And sometimes our failures are very enlightening. Sometimes it is through our failures that we ultimately are enlightened to the truth. When we see what doesn't work, sometimes we come to our senses and realize uh, that God has been right all along, that there are real solutions. <clears throat> I had a... Um, a leak in my house that only leaked after uh, it would rain for three or four or five days straight. And it was a little bit of water that would seep under the bottom plate by, uh, next to my front door. And it really bugged me. 
You know, how do you, uh, the finding little leaks are really hard to find because, uh, you know, they're little. <laughs> it's the bigger leaks that are easier to find. So over the years, I kept sealing up around the bottom plate. I kept sealing all of the seams that I thought the water might be coming in and nothing. I couldn't fix that thing. Every time it rained three or four or five days, uh, it, would, it would seep in. A little bit of seeping would come under the bottom plate. And uh, so, uh, you know, I was exasperated and finally thought, well, I'll just divert all the water that comes down the wall and ends up at the bottom plate off so that there won't be any source of water coming down to seep in to begin with. And so I had uh, some, um, I had my son put some rain gutters up along the edge to keep the water from going down the wall down to the bottom plate. And you know what happened? It got a lot worse, which was really great news because I discovered where I thought the leak was wasn't where the leak was. And I was able to go up and at the roof line find a little pin leak in the flashing. It was because it got a lot worse that I could find the problem. All this time I was applying the wrong solution to a problem. I was ignorant of the real problem where the real leak was. And some way, sometimes God works with us like that. If, we, if we're just really lost, uh, sometimes in our failures, we can discover what's wrong if we're humble enough to keep looking. Uh, and of course, this was a physical illustration of a, a spiritual principle here. Uh, God can use our rebellion and, and, and our failure to bring us to clarity for us to ultimately see, I can't run my own life uh, well. I'm not smarter than God. I can't keep my own counsel and uh, do things on my own uh, and be led by my own impulses and expect to have a good result. That kind of clarity can come to us uh, like it came to the prodigal son um, in the midst of our failure. It enables us to see and understand both the real problem and God's effective solution. Our problem that is, our sin is to think that we're smarter than God and that we can successfully function without his guidance and following his will. His will, by definition, is what is good. And if we decide not to follow his will, we, by definition, are deciding not to follow what leads to what is good. Anytime that we decide to function outside of his, his um, guidance, we are deciding to walk on a road that will, by definition, not turn out well. Again, the theme of this morning's message is we should bring our problems to God without dictating solutions. Point number one is our solutions are sometimes worse than the problem. Point number two is God allows us to taste the bitter fruit of our own desires. This morning I'd like to conclude by reading from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. It says in Proverbs chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He, and He, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, by definition, I have never made a mistake in my life by following you by receiving your counsel and applying it. And conversely, Father, I have never done well by doing what's in opposition to your will. You know, Father, that I have tried and tested uh, uh, many of the ideologies of this world.
you know, Father, that um, when I was a young man and, and started going to sensitivity training groups with all the psychological ideologies that went behind it, I watched one marriage after another that were part of that group break up until I finally asked, isn't this going in the wrong direction? You know, Father, that I believed wholeheartedly in the, uh, the edicts of the sexual revolution. Man, wh- how people have become estranged from one another and how people have lost their ability to trust each other. And there's just been a, a massive deterioration of, of, of relationships, Lord. Father, there isn't anyone that ever decides to do anything because they want to hurt themselves. We all want it, what is good and what is better. The question is, will we be humble enough to get advice from you and to trust you and to put our faith in your path? Father, thank you. You are our liberator from the darkness. May we walk in your light. We invite your Holy Spirit to uh, be in control of our heart and our soul. May your desires rule in our heart. We yield ourselves to you and we confess, Father, that we are not um, going to prosper if we follow our own desires. But we will prosper if we allow your power and your truth and your righteousness to dwell in us and to lead us. We thank you for all the good results of obeying you. In Christ's name we pray. Hey friends, thanks for listening. I want to encourage you to go to our website, ultimateoutcomes.org. Click on the blog tab, and under the blog tab, you'll find In the Beginning. In the Beginning is a new blog study. An in-depth look at the book of Genesis. We'll be going through it all year. Every day, there'll be a post, and uh, we want to make it interactive and encourage other people to join us. So if you're interested in going to the book of Genesis, join us for In the Beginning on our blog. You can find it on our social media as well, so check it out. Thanks.